Advanced Growth Hormone and Insulin for Bodybuilding. I'm here with Max Madsen, who's famous for being extremely open about hardcore bodybuilding topics in Germany. Ever since I posted you on my story, German fans have been begging us to do some collaboration where we talk about growth hormone and insulin. We're going to start with insulin mm -hmm. and then move into growth hormone and insulin and then growth hormone. Uh, so let's first talk about what is our experience with insulin. We've got three different types. We've got rapid insulin, which lasts like, you know, three, four hours. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, normal insulin, also known as fast insulin, not to be confused with the rapid, which lasts, you know, four to six hours. And then we've got the slow acting, the Lantus insulin. So I have a lot of experience with the rapid and the fast, normal insulin. I don't have much experience with the Lantus insulin, but Max Madsen does. So the first thing I want to know is what was your, what was the difference in your experience in using the Lantus or the very long acting insulin? Um, the amount of fullness you get from Lantus is, uh, yeah, it's unknown. Um, it's, it's much different. Um, and you don't have uh, the peaks. So you don't have to uh, worry about going hypo all the time. It's a much smoother uh, experience, but you're like uh, lethargic all the time. Mm -hmm. You're uh, sleepy, but um, you get the, the most gains um, out of uh, long-acting insulin. Um, but you also got a very quick uh, desensitizing. Um, desensitize very yeah, quick. Desensitize. Yeah. <laughs> Complicated. Um, so your receptors or your insulin sensitivity uh, goes down very quickly. So you have to cycle it on and off. Um, I uh, most of the time I do it like three times um, per week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, and in between, no insulin and a lot less growth hormone. Um, to get my insulin sensitivity back up. See, I use the fast and the rapid insulin, so I can actually use those once per day, every day, and mm -hmm. not lose my insulin sensitivity because I'm only on it for a five-hour period of time, and then the rest of the 19 hours of the day, I'm resensitizing to insulin. But if we're on the long-acting insulin for 24 hours, our sensitivity keeps going down and we don't get a break. And this is why I see a lot of bodybuilders who are using the long-acting insulin for long periods of time, all of a sudden, they can't grow, they can't put on weight, they can't even get a pump, they can't absorb nutrients anymore. So your protocol of every other day makes sense. What's another protocol for long-acting insulin that might be common amongst professional bodybuilders? Uh, you can do it uh, every day, but you have to up the dose and you're getting like uh, diabetes, like uh, artificial diabetes. Um, I think you can reverse it if you come off the lentils and maybe do keto for a few days. Um, um, but you will get um, your insulin se insulin sensitivity down. So um, I think you will benefit uh, benefit more from it if you cycle it on and off. Um, and uh, for the most part, you only do insulin uh, with a high amount of growth hormone to get your IGF-1 um, levels up. And I think lentils or long-acting insulin uh, has the, the most binding uh, capacity to the IGF-1 receptor. That's the reason why you use it. So the more we use insulin, the more we lose our sensitivity to insulin. And so there's got to be a balance of time on insulin versus time off insulin. But if we want to maximize the amount of time we can stay on insulin without losing our sensitivity, then there are lifestyle choices and some supplements that we can use to regain insulin sensitivity. Traditionally, metformin was the drug of choice. It's a type 2 diabetic drug that increases insulin sensitivity, but 
I don't like it the most because it's more of a glucose disposal agent than an insulin mimetic. What I like to use is Slim Pills. Obviously, I'm biased towards it, and actually, Max has a, a insulin mimetic product as well. Uh, but that helps trigger the the receptor in the muscle cells to absorb the nutrients without the need for insulin. So we can actually allow our natural insulin level to go down while we're replacing it with this supplement that acts like insulin. We can also lower our carbohydrates in, uh, when we're not using the insulin. So do you, mm -hmm. when you're doing a Lantus long-acting insulin day, are you having a lot more carbohydrates that day and then do you drop your carbohydrates yeah, yeah, down yeah, the days sure. you're not using it? Um, I have three high-carb days this week uh, on the days with the Lantus and a lot of GH and uh, low-carb days or medium-carb days uh, on the other days. Um, with a lot of uh, metformin and uh, different GDAs. So um, I'm switching from meal to meal. Um, I get like, um, my, my stomach won't, uh, if I take too much metformin, I get gas and something. Um, so I take uh, maybe like a GDA with my first meal, 500 mix um, metformin with the second meal and so on. For those of you listeners who haven't uh, studied the anabolic matrix, the enhanced muscle matrix, where I talk about the different growth pathways and synergy between them, uh, let's talk about whether someone would ever use insulin in the absence of anabolics and in the absence of growth hormone. What happens, Max, if someone just uses insulin as the anabolic hormone without the others that work with um, them? Well, you can do it um, to shuttle the nutrients uh, in the muscle. Um, uh, insulin is the, the most anti-catabolic uh, hormone we have, I guess, or maybe IGF-1, but uh, I think insulin. So around the workout, um, it's beneficial, even without GH, um, but we get uh, the most out of it uh, with the GH to spike our IGF-1. Yeah, if so. we're going to use insulin and we're not going to use any other anabio mm -hmm. uh, anabolic, then yeah, I, I agree. Around the workout time is the most important because at other times, we're more likely to store more of the calories as fat. You know, when, we, when we've got the synergy between the GLUT4 receptor that is activated by exercise and the insulin that we're injecting, then we're going to have a lot less likely to store as fat. Now, when we're using insulin with growth hormone, do you like taking them at the same time? Um, yeah, of course. Um, there are different protocols. Um, when I'm taking the Lantus and the GH, um, I, I spike my GH. Maybe in the morning I take like uh, 8 or 10 I use of GH with uh, the lantern so i have like a, a longer peak throughout the day to get more igf uh, produced um, when i'm taking short acting insulin like a humalog um, i will take it a uh, split split the dose throughout the day um, maybe like uh, in the morning before and after workout or before workout and uh, before bed uh, don't take humalog before bed that's not the best idea <laughs> um, yeah so what, let's talk about two different protocols. Let's talk about like a really easy protocol that a beginning bodybuilder does who doesn't want to hassle with a lot of different injections uh, and they don't want they want less risk. Like what's a beginner's growth hormone and insulin protocol? And then we'll talk about an advanced protocol. Uh, uh, the easiest um, time to take insulin is post-workout, I guess. So you don't have to worry about going hypoglycemic when you're working out. Um, and you're aiding your recovery, post-workout get uh, glycogen back uh, into the muscle. Um, but I think the most beneficial uh, time to take insulin is right before the workout or with the meal before the workout, depending on uh, if you take like Novolin R or Humalog. Um, and yeah. 
So, yeah, that's so post-workout is uh, the easiest way to yeah. take it. Yeah, I think I agree. Post-workout, you can't really go wrong because you're going to have plenty of calories. Pre-workout, it's a little bit harder to balance because when you're working out, your blood sugar is kind of all over the place. So it can be harder to balance it. Your blood sugar can go too high and your blood sugar can go too low. Too high if you're pounding enough carbs. Like the biggest mistake that I used to make using insulin is I would start going hypoglycemic and then I'd start pounding oh, carbs man, to yeah. where I know my blood sugar is skyrocketing. You get, you get hungry. Yeah, so. it's too, it's, and then it's like fluctuating. Then you're exhausted. Like insulin makes you tired, you, you but the like, fluctuation makes like, you Like important. 20 grams of carbs, that's it. So <laughs> just wait, wait for uh, a few minutes, then everything's okay. But you have so much hunger when you go hypoglycemic that you can pound like... 300 grams of rice. And is that fun? Do you ever do that for fun? Uh, yeah, I actually did I do it. that for fun too. <laughs> Before a big cheat meal or something, you can do it. Um, yeah. Don't try this at home or <laughs> maybe do it. And the um, synergy between insulin and growth hormone allows us to eat so many calories and none of it to get stored as fat. We noticed that when we did the enhanced to the max transformations for the Generation Iron movie, and it, which didn't discuss a lot of the actual protocols and ex actual compounds dosages, but we were using very high dosages of growth hormone and insulin together, and no matter how many calories we had any of the test subjects eat, none of them gained any fat. They all lost fat and gained muscles. Absolutely. Uh, I had the same experience. Um, when I was at my highest calories, it was like uh, 7,000 calories per day clean. Uh, I haven't gained any fat. And that was on the uh, three times per week Lantus protocol. So uh, the myth is uh, that insulin makes you fat. Um, in my case, insulin just spikes my metabolism. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have, right now, if I eat like 5,000 calories, I will, I'm getting fat, 100%. If I'm uh, using insulin and growth hormone, I can eat double that. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there's any specific steroids or anabolics that work really well synergistically with growth hormone and insulin. I know Trenbolone sensitizes the muscle cells to IGF, so, so that may have some advantage. I know testosterone and estrogen um, have some, bene some benefit to hyperplasia when combined with mm -hmm. IGF. Uh, so any other thoughts about like what, what sort of underlying gear protocol works good with the, the growth hormone and insulin protocol? I think it uh, doesn't make much difference which compounds you use, just use enough. Just uh, get your androgen uh, receptor full. <laughs> and, and making sure that we have enough estrogen, I guess. That's right. Enough compounds that convert, uh, aromatize. Uh, I'm a, myself, I'm very uh, sensitive to estrogen. I'm always using Exemestan or uh, Remidex. So my estrogen is always in the, the middle to low range. Uh, and never had what any What side any effects problems. do you get from high um, estrogen? Water retention, gyno, high blood pressure. Um, gaining fat more quickly, yeah. so uh, I got my gyno cut out. So I got my gyno when I was like 13 or something, not on anabolics, of course. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was uh, pretty sensitive to estrogen even when I was younger. Um, so uh, since then, I'm always promoting keeping your estrogen in range, don't kill it, mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, don't let your estrogen levels get skyrocket high. Yeah, that can come with a lot of side effects for a lot of us, but there are a lot of bodybuilders who are able to allow their estrogen to go very high and have tremendous results without having any side effects. Those, those okay. are the lucky if, bodies. If, if, if your blood pressure is okay, yeah. then maybe it's fine. 
But uh, <laughs> when you get problems with your blood pressure... So I, I test my blood pressure with the wrist monitor, and I, I like to keep my blood pressure under 140. Mm -hmm. um, and if it goes higher than that, I take things like Cialis or take things to lose the water retention, mm -hmm. lower my estrogen, try to lower my stress. Um, what do you think is a healthy blood pressure? How do you even know your blood pressure is elevated? Can you feel it? Do you test it? Oh yeah, I feel it, of course, and I can see it uh, when I when I train. Uh, my my head uh, flushes red. Um, I get headache when I train heavy, um, and I just in general I feel it. Yeah? Yeah. Um, but I I don't have uh, blood pressure issues right now. I'm trying to keep my uh, how you call it, red blood cell count mm -hmm. in check, uh, I'm donating blood. If I'm uh, high with the anabolics, I have to donate blood like every uh, six weeks or something. Um, so I get my hematocrit, hematocrit, I don't know how you call it in English, yeah, your red blood cell count uh, low um, and just keep uh, water retention low, keep some cardio in um, and then everything's fine. My blood pressure is uh, always around 120 to uh, 80. Oh, perfect. So Really perfect. So the growth hormone types, we've talked about the different types of insulin we use. How about growth hormone? I mean, you basically we put it in two different categories, generic mm -hmm. and pharmaceutical, usually. Uh, do you use generic or pharmaceutical or both? Uh, I use both and I haven't noticed any difference. Uh, I tested both. Uh, I got the um, HDH serum uh, test back, also lab work and uh, IGF-1 levels tested and I actually uh, haven't uh, seen any difference between uh, how you call it, nordipropine, genotropine, genotropine, uh, and generic. Yeah. When, when you test the growth hormone, what is your protocol? Do you inject it and then immediately go, or do you wait a certain amount of time? Do you inject it subcutaneous, um, intramuscular, intravenous? Um, I take like 10 IUs um, and uh, inject it intramuscular and then draw blood two and a half hours to three hours later. Yeah. Um, and get it tested. So. That's how I used to do it, and now I do it intravenous and only five IU. And mm. yeah, okay. I, I don't know exactly what the scale is on the, on the numbers, but it goes much higher. You know, get numbers is like between 100 and 200 instead of um, when you do it intramuscular, two and a half hours. I was getting numbers between like 25 and like 60. Yeah. yeah. What what numbers are you seeing? Um, with 10 IUs, uh, between 20 and 30. So it differs. I, I think you can hit a, a peak exactly. Yeah, maybe you can. something. And we all peak at different times, right? Our bodies metabolize these drugs yeah. differently. So I, I told you, uh, a friend of mine and myself, uh, we tested the same GH, the same vial, um, at the same time, and my GH test came back uh, 25 or something, and his was 47. Mm. So do you think that in the past you used much more growth hormone to where your yeah. body breaks it down faster as a defense mechanism and, and his body being newer to growth hormone hasn't adapted to be able to I, get rid of it as quick? Yeah, that's uh, one option. I don't know what the exact uh, mechanism. That's a possibility though. Yeah, it could be. Interesting. Uh, I'd like to test that more. If we get <laughs> if we get a novice bodybuilder or a bodybuilder that hasn't injected muscle, uh, growth hormone before, and we shoot him with it versus like an extremely advanced bodybuilder that even has been abusing growth hormone and see what that contrast is. Like only one test to confirm that that's, that's accurate would probably. It's the same with I did one. Um, I think the longer you stay and grow, um, the lower your IGF-1 gets over yeah. time. 
Yeah, so this is one of the reasons why Coach Trevor was having me inject uh, insulin followed by growth hormone intravenous after the insulin hit mm -hmm. to shock the body because the body doesn't have time to try to mitigate the increase in the IGF. So it produces a ton of IGF before it can stop. I forget the counterbalancing hormone that breaks down growth hormone, but there's like not enough time for it to work. So you get the full amount of growth hormone converting to IGF. What's, what's your uh, your turn on uh, subcutaneous intramuscular intravenous? So I never do I never do subcutaneous because I don't I just don't need it that long acting. I, I do believe that like the longer it's in your system, the more your body gets able to break it down. Uh, but I also I know the longer the growth hormones in your system, the longer you're burning fat for because you're burning fat while you're on growth hormone, mm -hmm. and then you're building muscle afterwards with the IGF. Uh, I always put it intramuscular so it hits a little bit faster. I even put the insulin intramuscular personally because I. Especially I used it in Noble and R oftentimes because mm -hmm. it's the easiest to obtain and the cheapest in the US. And then I put it intramuscular so that it will hit a little bit faster. It'll act a little bit more like a rapid insulin, which is for bodybuilding purposes, usually what we're using to try and pinpoint a specific period of time where we're going to have our nutrition on point, enough calories, and somewhere around the workout time usually. Yeah, the, the German bodybuilding scene is very backwards with it. Uh, in Germany, everyone uh, shoots his uh, insulin and his GH subcutaneously. Um, I think I'm one of uh, the only ones uh, who does it intramuscular all the time. I tried it uh, uh, IV uh, for a short period of time, but uh, I didn't see the benefits mm -hmm. for, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was feeling like a junkie after, yeah. uh, after a few days. It feel pretty hard so, uh, the point of no return in bodybuilding hardcore. So you stop at uh, taking... Uh, Injectable DNP. I stopped at uh, <laughs> shooting GH in my veins. I got really good at shooting the GH in my veins because you know you can create the alsalva where you mm -hmm. put pressure and then make your veins pop. So I get the big vein and I hold it and then I inject <laughs> it and I've been hitting it every time, no mistakes. But I've seen other friends try to hit the vein and they miss and it goes under the skin and they you might do as well with the with too. generic GH. Yeah. yeah, but I'm careful with that. If I'm using yeah. a new a new generic GH because The reason why he asked that is because when you put something intravenous, it's going right through your whole body instantly. Versus you put it in the muscle, if there's some sort of contaminant or something wrong with it, your, your body has the ability to capsulate it to protect the rest of your body from the compound. So it's a lot more dangerous to put something that might not be as pure directly into the bloodstream. So I test it with a little bit. Test it sub-Q, or uh, uh, intramuscular or sub-Q is a testing before I do it in the vein and then increase the dosage as I get more comfortable with that batch. Yeah. Uh, only time I'm doing uh, subcutaneously is when I'm doing it uh, with the Lantus and doing my spike in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I want to have a, a longer peak. When you're using the Lantus, what, what's the dosage again? Oh, it uh, depends. <laughs> I think high dosage was uh, 40 I used. 40 units once in, that's once, once in the morning? Uh, once in the morning. Uh, Well, the last time I used it was uh, was two spikes. I did uh, like uh, in the morning, 20 and uh, 20, like six hours later. Again, you so can do it. You can uh, do the lantus before you go to bed. There is there's just no spike, so you can inject GH and lantus and go to sleep. There, nothing will happen. You don't really get hypo during any point of the day between meals. No, no, no. But you're eating a lot of carbs on that day. You're kind of preemptively have the nutrients going through your system. Yeah, but, uh, but I tried it. I uh, did like 
six hours of grill with uh, 30 hours of lentils in the morning and fasted for like eight hours and nothing happened. So what happens when, when we do high doses of growth hormone insulin and we don't eat a ton of calories mm -hmm. frequently, we're actually pulling from our fat cells and recycling that into muscle. There's very few times when your body's actually breaking down fat and building muscle at the exact same moment in time. Our bodies are made like a switch. You're either in fat burning mode or in muscle building mode. When you're on growth hormone and insulin, your IGF is high, that's the only time where you're actually breaking down fat and building muscle at the same time. So if there is a caloric deficiency, you can still build muscle, which under normal circumstances, you can't build muscle if you're in a caloric deficit. So that's where the magic comes in. Did you notice when you do that, that if you do miss meals or you don't eat a lot, you just get shredded really fast? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I lose weight fast. Yeah. Uh, so I'm genetically like more of a fat guy. So, but when I'm, <laughs> and I was traveling a lot for YouTube and stuff, and uh, when I missed a few meals and come back uh, a few days later, with FIBO last year, uh, I lost like eight kilo or something, and I was eating my meals. And just because I was uh, on my feet all day, uh, over the course of four days, I lost eight kilos. So my metabolism was exploding. So this helps you guys, the audience, understand on how we do these rapid transformations. I mean, yes, there's more to it than growth hormone, insulin, and IGF, but so those are some of the king hormones we're dealing with. And that's how we can make transformations so fast. That's how we can actually assimilate 10,000 calories a day, whereas normally we can only assimilate 4,000 calories a day. So you can see how much faster the rate of growth can be when we're optimized chemically like this. Um, now it makes you very tired, right? You're, you're yeah. suffering because you're, when you're in growth mode like that, your body just wants to sleep like a baby. Yeah. And I think if the GH or... Um. <laughs> GH makes you tired. Heavy doses of insulin make you tired, and together they and make you really tired. And a lot really of carbs make you tired. So and eating and training, everything makes you tired. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard. Dude, when you're on the growth and in insulin, how do you get enough calories in? What do you like? I, I like to liquefy my food, so I like to eat more blended drinks. You know, pro, even protein powders with like rice flour or uh, oat flour. I'm I'm a pretty good eater. So you can but eat I'm, like chicken and rice all day. Uh, yeah, I, I could eat it, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not like the old school bodybuilding type here, old school. Um, so I I'm eating some processed food. No, I don't have problem eating uh, bread, for example, instead of rice or potatoes or something, uh, or drink some whey instead of eating uh, my chicken. So, uh, but I'm getting my meals in regularly every two, three hours, um, just carbs, proteins, and uh, I'm I'm not that low on fats even. Uh, I have maybe like 150 to 200 grams of fat wow. on uh, the side days. Yeah, and Th those are on the Lancet days? Yes. Oh, wow. Have mm -hmm. you ever tried doing a very low-fat, extreme high-carbon protein day on the Lancet? Uh, 7,000 calories with low fats? That would be like... <laughs> That's uh, really hard. <laughs> 1,500 yeah. grams of carbs? No. Wow. Uh, I think my uh, GI tract <laughs> would explode. <laughs> okay. So you have, to, you have to stomach it. Yeah. yeah. Would you train differently on a day that you're using growth hormone and insulin than a day that you're not? Um, yes, actually, uh, I would uh, up the volume a bit. I will, I will keep the working sets uh, high, high intensity, but uh, maybe do some pumping style after the workout. 
um, get some blood flow for yeah that's what I will change and on the low calorie days I would keep the volume a bit low what about this protocol what about doing two a day workouts on the Lantus high growth hormone days huge calories and then the next day you just rest and repeat yeah you could do that Sure. So that goes also to my theory of like blasting, doing giving these periods of time when you're doing everything right, mm -hmm. and then periods of time where you're just resting instead of half-assing it all the time. Right? Every like most people in steroid, most people's steroid cycles are like eight weeks or twelve weeks of, of like half-assing it. Honestly, it's I, to me it seems so much better to blast it, do everything right for a week, and rest for a week. I mean, always maintaining a maintenance dose. Maybe even a maintenance dose of growth hormone and a maintenance dose of anabolics, but really blasting all the chemistry at the same time you're blasting the training and, and the food. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad at that. <laughs> I, I'm like a 100% or 0% guy, so I can transform really quick. I can do like a, I could do a contest prep in like eight weeks and uh, my contest weight will be like not much lower than I'm uh, right now. So I will gain. 10 kilo of muscle in eight weeks, I can do that easy. When everything is 100%, when I'm blasting the steroids, the GH, um, and everything else. But uh, when I'm not doing it, I'm like, I'm tending to let my diet go to shit and uh, not training as hard and then, uh, yeah. Is this because you know you can transform so fast that you can build like a ton of muscle and, and look better in one week so it's you just, just kind of cruise until you're ready to do like a quick blast? Uh, yeah, if you have that on your mind that you can transform your body yeah. uh, that quick. Uh, for example, I did, uh, in, in January, I lost 50 pounds of fat with DNP in four weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is huge. Yeah. So nobody can do that naturally. Right. So, so I was like uh, on holidays uh, before. I was like, fuck it. Huh? If I'm gaining uh, another five pounds, uh, who cares? So. So yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. This is exactly my approach too. Because once you learn how to transform quickly, it's like you kind of just let your body go and do what you want and live life. And then when you want to get it back again, you can get it back very quickly. Yeah, but, but again, hated a lot for uh, my mentality. Yeah. But, uh, well, I, people, I, I don't give a fuck. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one is that people don't think it's possible because they, they're working so hard doing it natural or, or, or even with anabolics but without the rest of the right yeah, chemistry. Yeah, blah, blah, he's lazy. And I say, yeah. yeah, do it yourself. Or they're talking, yeah, they're, or they're jealous. Like they're talking about, oh, you're taking a shortcut. Well, I think it's the same thing as like, are you going to walk five miles to work or are you going to drive? I mean, we're using technology here. Yeah. I mean, we're not, I'm no, we're not cavemen. Exact same what makes, in fact, when someone, when someone knocks or talks negative about the chemistry, it's funny to me because I think of them as a caveman throwing sticks and rocks while I'm over here using a computer and, and living in the modern age using technology. And it's just another form of technology that people are afraid of. Like if people saw flying cars, they'd probably, be, they'd probably think, oh, that's cool for a second. They'd probably be afraid of it, you know, fear of something different and new that they don't understand. And that's why I like educating people because it's like a, it's like a gateway. You open you open the door. You show them even just one chemistry. For example, most people say SARMs don't work. Well, <laughs> I use I use MK six seven seven or Rad one forty. MK six seven seven is not a SARM, but these are two examples. Or even Cardarine. These are things that people feel instantly that are complete game changers. And so if someone takes Rad one forty before a workout from you know she's, she's on, Rad, on Rad one forty and Cardarine. 
Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Amazing <laughs> My for wife. women. Yeah. <laughs> they take that and they feel more strength increase and performance increase than almost any steroid. And even or even they're natural, they feel that it's going to blow their mind. If they use steroids before and they take just a couple of these pills and you feel the performance increase, it's going to blow their mind. All of a sudden, now their mind is open. Now they're thinking, what else out there is is there? And that's why I like starting with the DNP, shocking everybody with that. They all said it was deadly, and yet I and myself used it very healthfully and showed many other people using it very healthfully. And then a lot of other people started using it and opening up their minds. And all of a sudden, people started coming out and saying it cured them of all these diseases, cured them of obesity. And it's like becoming like a normal supplement when used safely, I, I opening told, up people's I minds. I told the people it could be healthy, mm -hmm. uh, especially compared with uh, stimulants like ephedrine, clenbuterol, and... All this other stuff, they, they throw it like Smarties, mm -hmm. yeah? And in Germany, uh, DNP is like uh, the, the strongest thing you can take and uh, the worst thing you can take. And I always think it's not harmful for the heart if you do it correctly, for the kidneys, for the liver, mm -hmm. everything's okay. Um, it, it gets your uh, insulin sensitivity up, it brings your lipid profile up. Um, yeah, puts the body into a state where it gets all the benefits of fasting without yes. fasting, which includes yeah. mitigating cardiovascular disease, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, cancer, and that's why I really think that there's a conspiracy against it. Not because of the fat burning or because people have overdosed and died on it, but because it it pretty much renders maybe like forty percent of the pharmaceutical industry completely uh, just invalid, out of date. Uh, I think it was at one time there was a, a comparison between metformin and a DNP. Uh, metformin should uh, replace uh, DNP for diabetic purposes. So how do we tie all this into growth hormone and insulin? <laughs> well, let's talk about what happens when you take insulin on DNP. So this is a oh, theory I, I that did I have. That. <laughs> okay, you did. Okay, tell me. I did everything. <laughs> tell me your experience with that because I have theories about this. Um, it was pretty hot. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't get the uh, performance decrease in the gym, mm -hmm. so I stayed uh, fuller and didn't go as flat. Um, other than that, not a huge difference. Um, you're you're hot all the time because you're pounding uh, carbs. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm promoting, or I'm not promoting, I'm, I'm doing keto with uh, DMP myself. It's uh, just uh, the most <laughs> extreme thing you could do. <laughs> yeah, and. I just feel better. Ah, okay. Oh, you feel better when you're not eating carbs on DMP. Yes. Um, you, I mean, you will feel lethargic and like shit all the time when you t take DMP. That's okay. That's the downside of DMP. But I'd rather feel shit for like two weeks and get <laughs> the fat loss of 16 weeks. Yeah. Uh, then feel like shit for, feel less like shit for 16 weeks. Okay, so I'll explain my DMP insulin experience because it helps people really understand how both compounds work, but especially insulin. So insulin is a transport hormone that stores nutrients, mostly glucose, but other nutrients as well, into the muscle cells. Protein, everything, right? Minerals, they all work together. Like when they're all, when you have everything right in the right balance, your muscles just soak it up like a sponge and assimilate into new protein uh, muscle cells. Uh, when you're on DNP, your muscles and all of your organs start starving for glucose. Our body can make its own glucose. Glucose is not an essential nutrient. Mm -hmm. We can be carnivore diet, keto diet, and our body will make enough glucose. But 
I do believe our body needs some glucose. Like our own body's made glucose. Uh, and there's things like the nervous system that do actually need a little bit of sugar to, to run on. And, and even the brain, even when you're in ketosis, it needs to run on, have a still needs a little bit of sugar. So if I do an extended DNP cycle, I feel my body start starving, like I'm fasting, but like every part of my body is starving, even like my nervous system, like my hands are getting numb. And then if I take insulin, all of a sudden, instead of my, my, instead of every cell in my body just burning off the sugar, for that short period of time, that short window of time, I get enough sugar into the cells to make me refresh. And also I feel like it resets my metabolism. I feel like if I'm on DNP, my metabolism does start slowing down. Uh, you do the uh, T3 on DNP? Yeah, so that's one way to keep it up because that's one way the body slows the metabolism. Uh, yeah, uh, but there's other hormones too, like leptin interaction. And so if you do a spike of insulin, then the metabolism spikes back up again. Your body gets out of starvation mode long enough to read your basal metabolic rate and the amount of calories you can burn on DMP. And then it also gives your all of your organs and everything that is starving for glucose a little break from being starving from glucose and gets them... Uh, you know, like your nervous system functioning normally. It definitely works. Yeah. Oh, sure. So that, that can show how critical insulin is in bodybuilding. And so it's also my theory that as we get bigger bodybuilders, like you can't even maintain a certain amount of muscle without insulin because our pancreas doesn't produce enough insulin. And so insulin actually becomes a preventative factor, something to help us prevent getting diabetes. Because if you're a huge bodybuilder, you're pounding a ton of carbs and your pancreas is working so hard, it's going to burn out. But if you give yourself the insulin, so long as you're not giving yourself so much insulin with chronic use that you're desensitizing your cells to where your pancreas is going to have to produce more insulin. But if you're giving yourself insulin to relieve your pancreas of the duty for a little bit of time, it's healthier. Nobody gets uh, diabetic from insulin use. <laughs> Maybe if you take lentils for uh, <laughs> periods of time without break then you're, uh, you're a part-time diabetic. <laughs> I call, call it like that. Uh, but you won't get diabetes from taking short-acting insulin. Right. Maybe you get a little desensitized. It's, it's a difficult word for me in German. Desensitized. <laughs> um, yeah. So we talked about insulin without anabolics and growth hormone. We talked about insulin with anabolics and growth hormone. What about growth hormone by itself without insulin? Um, Yeah, it's a different kind of uh, game. So you have to be very careful um, with your blood sugar levels. So um, I think there there's a range, uh, which is okay. Maybe like two to s maybe six I use. Everything uh, beyond that, you have to be like very careful. You have to uh, start working with metformin, uh, different GDAs, uh, etc. Um, so um, maybe if you're using like four I use, you can do like two in the morning, And then do fasted cardio to drop your blood sugar back to normal range. Um, then you do your breakfast and two hour pre-workout. So that would be okay without uh, the risk of uh, getting your uh, insulin sensitivity down. Um, but if you're doing like six to eight I use uh, throughout the day, you have to get, uh, in my opinion, um, to get uh, metformin in or Yeah. <laughs> What what's entertaining but also concerning is how body novice bodybuilders think that taking growth hormone is not hardcore. Everybody takes growth hormone and people don't have a problem starting growth hormone, but they have a huge problem starting insulin. 
So you have a huge amount of bodybuilders. One of the biggest problems in bodybuilding right now, in my opinion, is everybody's using growth hormone and they're not using insulin. And their insulin sensitivity is decreasing. They're, they're not absorbing as much nutrients as they could. And in the beginning, it's great because growth hormone burns fat. And so they start getting leaner, harder. They started feeling better. They start uh, recovering faster. Their sleep is better. They get a lot of anti-aging benefits from the growth hormone. But after a certain period of time, they increase the dosage and the frequency. They start not uh, absorbing nutrients as well. The good news is as soon as they add, add insulin in it, uh, and maybe some breaks where they, they work on increasing their insulin sensitivity, all of a sudden they start growing again. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's something that's easily fixed, but it's a problem that, that most novice bodybuilders face. In, in Germany, for example, nobody tests his blood sugar. So they are not monitoring anything in Germany. Nobody gets blood drawn, gets blood test. Um, so that's very dangerous. Um, that's how you get diabetes. Yeah. yeah. If you take too much growth with too less insulin or with the wrong timing, that's, uh, that's far more dangerous than taking a little to uh, less insulin without GH. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what's healthier for a bodybuilder? Eating a whole bunch of carbs and not taking insulin and the blood sugar goes way up, uh, <laughs> which is very toxic, or taking the insulin with the carbs getting the blood sugar lower faster and therefore avoiding the toxicity of the sugar, I vote for using insulin Absolutely. being much healthier. Now, this is why it differs with bodybuilders though, is because with as us as bodybuilders, because we're on the other anabolics, our body's gonna partition the nutrients into muscle cells. Whereas if someone just using insulin and they're not working out and they're not using anabolics, then they're gonna end up storing uh, a lot of that as fat. So insulin's not the enemy, but insulin, you know, for the wrong person at the wrong time. It's all about timing. It's all about the state of the body and it's all about the other chemistry going on in the body at that time. And so it can be used very healthfully. It's more healthy to use insulin than not to use it if you're using it correctly. Now, now intra-workout. So back to the intra-workout we started talking about. Um, I wanna say it's one of my favorite times to take it if I can actually keep my blood sugar balanced because I feel like during the workout I'm actually swelling up, I'm actually growing. It's like I'm almost building muscle during the workout. Actually, kind of am. You, you're kind of building. The thing is, as a natural, you're only building muscle like certain times of the day, and you know, fluctuate a lot. You have the post-workout window you have while you sleep, but when you're on all the chemistry, you're growing all day long, and especially when you're working out and stimulating all these pathways. And while I'm pounding my carbohydrate drink, I have my pre-workout protein drink. I'm driving all the minerals and nutrients, carbs and protein into the muscle as I'm lifting. That's the miraculous feeling. That's what I, that's what I live for. Like I, I'm not interested in going to the gym and just working out to make slow progress and, yeah. and not get a pump and not well, feel super For example, I, I was training without insulin today. I, I wouldn't do that when I'm at home. <laughs> and it's, it's a completely different feeling. So here's what a question they're gonna be thinking. If we use growth hormone and insulin, why aren't we mass monsters? I mean, we're both pretty big. I'm, I'm actually too big to compete in yeah, classic and physique. I'm, I'm looking like skinny I'm motherfucker big, right here, but I'm, but there's uh, a lot bigger but guys. I'm actually heavier than you. <laughs> why aren't we that big if we use growth hormone and insulin? That's what they wanna know. Uh, consistency and genetics. Exactly. Consistency, we're not using growth hormone. He didn't use growth and insulin today. You know, I used it today, but I haven't used it for a week before this. You know, if you look at the mass monsters, they're just religious about this stuff. It's, 
it's like the injections are scheduled. There's like a morning, afternoon, and an evening injection, and it's all on point, and they don't have a break from their diet. You know, everything is regimented. That's what I mean. I, I can transform in eight weeks, doing everything correct. I will explode, yeah. yeah? But I, I have to do this for like 10 years in a row <laughs> to get really huge. And then they might say, well, what's the point? If taking all these drugs only makes you huge for a moment in time, then, then why even do it? I'm, my answer is this. Before, when I was natural, my body was high maintenance. It was liability. It wasn't an asset. Like, I looked awesome when I, my diet was flawless and my training was flawless. And now I look awesome all the time, like all year round, because I've created a new set point of muscle that if I even fast or I don't even eat, I'm just going to lose a bunch of fat. I mean, I've got so much more muscle now. I'm so far above my baseline. And so I'm just kind of cruising. And then I do these short bursts to sort of fill out and get back to my biggest size. And then I just kind of cruise again. So that's my reason. Yeah, it's, just, it's just fun. Yeah, it's to, fun. To look big, feel good. Uh, the workout is awesome. So uh, that's for me. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of diminishing returns, right? So right now we're comfortable, we're healthy. Our body weight is acceptable, but if you were to get bigger, what happens? How do you breathe? How do you sleep? How do you feel? Yeah, I get uh, bad sleep apnea, so uh, that's not a nice thing. Yeah. So right now I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty light for for myself. I'm 120. I know that's that's not light. 120 but, kilos. So that's um, sort of a two, I don't know, 255 or something. So I'm I'm like 234 pounds. I was uh, last year in. August, I was my at my heaviest, in pretty good shape actually, like maybe 10% body fat, uh, 137. That's 310. <laughs> so that was. Wow. I, I couldn't walk for 100 meters uh, without my lower back was <laughs> filling with blood and uh, yeah, breathing heavy and. Do you feel like you've mutated your body? Is there permanent changes to your body from having high IGF during these per periods of time? You mean like uh, bone growth? Sure, wise? bone growth, your feet size, your knuckles. No, I don't. I don't think so. Only, only DHT. <laughs> yeah, I lost. How about how about just like your muscles? Have you created a new baseline to where if you even if you didn't work out, you would still look huge all the time? Uh, no, I won't. You'll sure. If, if I if I uh, don't work out and uh, eat like shit, I will look like shit. Instantly. <laughs> Still high maintenance. So. Yeah. I, I guess me too, but the thing is it's so much easier now. Like, I, I could just do, I, I could maintain what I look like right now if I have perfect diet, training, and drugs once a week. Mm -hmm. you know? But I would need that once a week because if I didn't do that, eventually it would, it would go away. But that would be like the maintenance. Like Tony had his first real walk out today with me in like... For ages, <laughs> it was yeah because I don't I I usually do like one set with someone, and then I go do my Instagram and all that. But I actually did a whole workout with Max today, a chest workout, and his approach was uh, he works his way up warm up sets to a, a heavy set of maybe like six reps, and then he does uh, then he rests and he does another set where he goes to failure but with lighter weight and higher reps, and that's it. Those are the two working sets per per exercise, and that's actually very similar to how I work out. Too. Did you learn that from somewhere or did you just figure out that works for your body? Because I kind of figured out that's worked for my uh, body. I actually do this since I'm uh, working this out. This is always how you've been doing but, it. But uh, not because someone has told it uh, to me. It's just felt right. instinctual. Yeah, instinctual. Right. So yeah. call it maybe like hit training 
or something. So very low volume, high intensity. Um, for me, a working set, if I can do another rep, it's not a working set for me. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's just my mind. There are a million different approaches to training. Everything works if you have progress within your training. If you have uh, progress, then you will grow. Um, so Now for the grand finale. Uh, I should have told him that this is what we're going to talk about at the end because it's the most interesting part. Okay. Uh, you've done an experiment with MK677, oh, yeah. oral growth hormone secretagogue, combined with insulin. Now, I've also done some experiments with this, but I haven't been able to get some final data. I only have theories, but you've, you've proven one of my theories now with your actual experimentation. What did you learn? Yeah, uh, I always thought that MK677 uh, spikes your uh, GH throughout the day. So it uh, would be best combined with a long-acting insulin. So you have, you, you can plan when the MK677 spikes exactly, like if you shoot growth hormone. So you have to need insulin present all the time. Uh, and that would be the best way to spike IGF-1 in the long term. So uh, I combined the MK677 with the Lamtos, the long-acting insulin, um, and got my IGF to like 700 to 7 800 range and that was crazy high for me so and it builds up over time it's not like you just did one day of lantus and mk677 and your igf hits 700 it's a few days in a row consecutive and the igf keeps going up and up right? yeah i get a uh, blood run like four weeks in so you did it for four weeks yeah i didn't I did catch that oh my god i can't even imagine what that would feel like yeah. with igf levels that high yeah I mean, were you... Were a, a lot of water. <laughs> a lot of water. Okay, I was going to ask, yeah. Well, were you just... Were you tired all the time, too? Yeah. yeah. Hungry and tired all the so, time. So this is this is what I was curious about. It's like uh, most of the growth hormone secretagogues, they, only, they, they work in the absence of insulin because insulin and growth hormone are counterbalancing hormones. When insulin's present, growth hormone's not. And so, you know, that's why, you know, when we're fasting and insulin is low, then growth hormone goes up. Um, so the question, the big question in the community is if we're taking MK677, but we're spiking insulin, then does it, the insulin prevent the MK677 from being able to release growth hormone? And your experiment says, your experiment says no. Yeah, it's better. Yeah. You're doing the, the best angle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, now now we're talking. <laughs> so it sounds like his experiment proved that you can have insulin present and still, uh, Produce growth hormone on the MK677. Yeah, I, I did. I did some experiment. I've done fasted experiments in MK677. I do. Okay, I do think that on MK677 you produce more growth hormone if you're fasted, but that doesn't mean that you're not still producing growth hormone. I suppose if your body's able to produce. Uh, and there's it. a theory, uh, uh, the old school: uh, don't eat carbs before you go to bed, so your GH spike uh, throughout yeah. the night is higher. Yeah. Uh, but the studies show that uh, your body compensates. Uh, the GH loss overnight throughout the day. So I think it's the so same. So your body's still going to produce the same amount of growth yeah, hormone. so I think it's the same with the MK677. Oh, fascinating. So. All right, there that's you go. That's my theory. That's the grand finale because that <laughs> is going to lead us into a whole bunch of other experiments that we are going to do with growth hormone insulin and MK677. We are at Muscle Factory Gym this week training in Bangkok, which is the, uh, the chemistry epicenter transformation epicenter of the world right now. Be swollen swole, friends of freedom, pioneers of human evolution.